Radio. All right, before we get going, I have to thank a couple new Patreon subscribers. I got Dolly Ruther and Shannon Gore. Thank you both very much. I hope you're enjoying that uh, backlog of content on Patreon. I think I'm up to like 65 or 70 episodes there. If anybody else is interested, you can go to Mysterious Circumstances on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Mysterious Circumstances. Check out the tiers, look through the episodes, you know, decide if it's something you want to do. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can hit me up at Venmo at MC Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the disappearance of Robert Barron out of Pennsylvania. It's a smaller, lesser-known case, but one that is absolutely solvable. So, on with the show. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include... Information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment. Maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible, and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited, adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now, and if not... Just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. An investigation is still underway for Robert Barron. He was last seen on January 25th, 2017, after dropping off his son in town after leaving the restaurant. Nothing was handled right from the start. There could have been so much more evidence found there if they handled it correctly. Investigators found blood and a tooth in the restaurant. His car was later found less than a mile away and also had blood inside. Investigators have been looking for Barron ever since, but he's never been found. All right, everybody. This is a, like I said, shorter length episode. It's a little bit of a smaller case, but still a very important one and a very solvable one as well. Now, I am aware that I probably have people listening to this podcast for the first time who are advocates for Robert Barron, whether they be family members or family friends or the Facebook page, whatever the case may be. And if you're a first time listener, I'm just going to tell you right now, I am very honest. I'm thorough. So there might be a chance I say something in the theory section that you might not like, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just tossing ideas around, and when certain theories make certain sense, I'm going to say that. So hopefully you don't hate me, just trying to bring a little bit of exposure to this case. So Robert Barron, who was 58 years old when he disappeared, was a pizza restaurant owner in Old Forge, Pennsylvania, and he went missing on January 25th, 2017. He was last seen wearing a black North Face jacket, dark blue or black sweatpants, a dark t-shirt, and a Penn State hoodie. He was described by his family as just being an all-around nice guy, really didn't bother anybody. He was a family guy, super low-key and quiet, so that's a, that's a brief description right there given by his family. So Robert's wife ended up telling investigators that her husband was last seen on January 25th around 11 p.m., and this is after he had dropped his son Bobby off at Bobby's home. Robert was on his way back to the restaurant to stay in the apartment that was above the restaurant. 
and he would go stay there occasionally because he uh he would have dough deliveries coming at like 7 a.m in the morning you know when you got to drive and you can just go stay at the apartment above your restaurant trust me it's it's way easier that way as a person who was in that industry for years that really isn't anything out of the normal so robert's son bobby is one of the partners in the family business like i had mentioned they own a pizza place he told police that his father was supposed to pick him up for work the next morning on the 26th. He texted his father's phone around 7.40 a.m. to tell him he was ready to go, but Robert never replied. So Bobby ended up walking to the restaurant and found the dough delivery was left on the sidewalk, which was extremely unusual as Bobby described it because Robert would never let the dough delivery just be out there on the sidewalk, especially when he was heading back to the upstairs apartment so that he could receive the dough delivery. So, on January 26, 2017, Bobby reports his father missing. So, police show up at the scene, and they discover a significant amount of blood, which was according to the district attorney. Now, with the blood, they also found a little bit of hair and a tooth, which they later confirmed through DNA testing to be Robert's, and they found this in the utility sink of the restaurant downstairs. So then they come in and they use luminol. And for those of you who understand true crime, we know what luminol is. And this revealed evidence that there was an assault. There was an attack. Trust me, we already knew that with blood, hair, and a fucking tooth in the back utility sink, okay? It's not normal. But with the luminol, what they discovered is that somebody had attempted to clean up the crime scene. And according to one report, they had tried to use household cleaners, but they never specified whether they were cleaning supplies from the restaurant or it was cleaning supplies from the apartment upstairs. Robert's wife told police that she checked the apartment and saw that the comforter from the bed was missing and that she found the afghan from upstairs in the bar area of the restaurant, which she found extremely odd. So it's pretty obvious that Robert did make it back to the apartment after he had dropped his son off at home. Now the afghan that they did find was bloody as well, and police had also collected broken glass and a cigarette butt in addition to some evidence swabs. Now, Robert's 2006 Hyundai Elantra, which was silver, was also reported missing. But Robert's car was recovered a few days later, a few blocks away from the restaurant, and it wasn't even discovered by the cops, it was discovered by a family friend. And, of course, the police say, well, it's possible the car had been moved in the days before its discovery. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not an investigator, I'm not a cop, but no shit. And the car had a bunch of mud on the tires and on the undercarriage. The car appeared to have a blood stain on the passenger side door, and there was a large amount of blood inside the car. Investigators found blood in four locations, and recovered fingerprints from the door handles. 
but I personally tried to look and see if, uh, you know, anything about the prints ever turned up, and I couldn't really find any in information on that, so I don't know if they were partial and conclusive prints, if somebody's not in the database yet, or if they know who it is, they just don't have enough evidence to go after them. The district attorney, he came out and said, we tested portions of the car, things found in and around the car, but I'm not going to speak to any of those results. Now, during the investigation, a restaurant employee told police that Robert received multiple calls on the business landline, after which he told the employee, don't answer the phone anymore. There is no date given for these phone calls or the any kind of phone activity regarding these calls. Now, one of Robert's friends came out and said, somebody knows what happened, and it's just a matter of them coming forward and giving it up. I personally think that, and I think there are probably one or two people in particular who know exactly what happened and just won't come forward. They did a bunch of searches all around the area, and they couldn't find anything regarding Robert. There was no trace of him anywhere. And police have been pretty quiet about progress on the case, which sometimes is understandable, but also other times, you know, you want to at least try to include family members. I understand the emotional aspect, the fact that they might give information that is not public, that might damage the investigation. I get that. I understand it. But they won't talk about whether they've identified a person or multiple people of interest in the disappearance. The police are still going after new tips, and this is regarding suspicious people that night and um, trying to figure out where the car would have been to collect, you know, all that mud on the tires and on the undercarriage. Now, on January 27th, 2021, they did release some more information on the case because the Barron family does not think that it's because of lack of evidence that hasn't been solved. Because, like I said, detectives found a partially cleaned up crime scene inside the pizza place. They found blood, hair, a tooth. Robert Barron's car was found a few blocks away, like I said, with more blood inside it. Traces of blood on the passenger side door, bunch of mud on the tires and underneath. But the Barron family back in January of this year shared surveillance video footage that they, they tracked down, which was, I believe, about a year and a half ago. Keep that in mind. The investigators didn't track it down. The family tracked it down. And they ended up passing the surveillance footage to the investigators. The video shows people who the Barron family believe may have information on what happened to Robert. The video was taken about two blocks away from the pizza place on Main Street in Old Forge during the time it is believed that Robert Barron went missing. The first clip is just after midnight, and it shows a man in shorts walking near Main Street just after midnight on January 26th. Now, the Barons said that this man matches the description of a man that a witness saw outside the pizza place less than an hour earlier. The other clip to the surveillance footage was from about 3 a.m., and it shows a man holding a lit cigarette and pulling a rolling suitcase behind him. At that same time, the first man from the first clip three hours earlier 
comes back the way that he came. The Baron family are interested in the suitcase in the video because they say that it, it looks similar to one that was stored in the apartment above the pizza place. Now, Newswatch 16, where I got this um, information from, asked the, the Lackawanna County District Attorney about the video, and he told them that he couldn't comment on any evidence but said Barron's case is still actively under investigation. How do you not vent surveillance cameras in the area? You know what I mean? At least in a five or six block radius, you know, from the hour before he went missing to, you know, when he was actually reported missing. Why, why is the family tracking this shit down and giving it to the investigators? All right. That makes no sense whatsoever. We're going to get into some theories here. And like I said, I might say some things that, uh, you know, advocates probably ain't going to like, but it's something that we all need to think about and, it is what it is. But first, we do have to take a word from our sponsor. If you guys want to, you can skip a few minutes ahead, or you can go grab a drink and meet me right back here in a few. So this episode is brought to you by Stereo App. It is an app that you can download right to your phone. You can go to Stereo.com slash podcast. right? I got a link in the description. And every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to go live. And you can be involved in the conversation. It's a way for you to join me. You can ask me questions about certain cases I've covered, certain historical figures, and other things like that. Another cool thing is, too, is I need two people to go live so you can... Be that person that is on there live with me, taking questions, having a conversation with me about whatever topic you might want me to talk about, whether it's related to my latest episode or something that I have covered in the past. Like I said, you can go to Stereo.com slash MC Podcast, or if you're already on Stereo app, you can find me at MC Podcast. And as soon as I go live, you get a notification. So bam, you're right there in the conversation with me. And it's not like you're paying anything for the download either. It's totally free. Just download it, follow me, or you can go to Stereo.com slash podcast and catch me when I go live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and be a part of the conversation with me. So some of these theories were mentioned in a Reddit post, which I am going to elaborate on quite a bit. So here are some of the local theories, possible rumors, possible information. First of all, the organized crime aspect. Now, the mafia organized crime is not unheard of in this area. You're close enough to Atlantic City, Philadelphia. So, you know, you have several big cities there with mob ties, organized crime. My whole thing about this is it does make a lot of sense because... You have, you know, drugs, loan sharking, extortion, gambling, stuff like that. Okay, so you guys know I'm very familiar with organized crime, the mafia. It's kind of my thing. One of the things that we need to consider in this is that 95% of the time, organized crime in the mafia is not going to kill the actual person that owes them money because once that person is dead, they're not going to get their money. They really don't like to go after people who are not involved with them. So maybe we should 
Consider the fact that a close family friend, a close friend of Robert's, or even a family member of Robert's, whether it be, you know, direct or indirect, has a possible gambling problem and racked up some debt and Robert paid the price so that that person could eventually pay that debt off or for, you know, that person to realize how serious they are. Now, when it comes to organized crime, you got a few different kinds of scenarios for, for body placement because Robert Barron is still missing, but he's presumed dead at this point. So you have to look at possible companies owned by people who are affiliated with organized crime, something like a junkyard, a scrapyard, um, any kind of water uh, with the undercarriage and the mud on the bottom of the car, it leads me to think that that time of year in January, whether there was snow on the ground or not, one of the few places you're going to get mud with the ground that frozen is possibly by some kind of water. Now, I'm 100% sure that they probably dragged the water and looked for it back then, but they need to go back and redo that. And you're not just going to dump a body out in the open. You're going to put it in some kind of barrel or even a suitcase for that matter. All right, if the suitcase is big enough. As much as I hate to say it, if the body is dismembered, cut up, it's, you know, you have a torso, you can fit body parts in a suitcase a lot better. And the mafia has been known to do shit like that to get rid of a body. Now, why I bring up a scrapyard or like a junkyard is a lot of times that is a really good cover for organized crime, and it's super easy to get rid of bodies. You can just put the body in a car, crush it into a little cube, and just scrap it out in the middle of a scrapyard. So maybe run cadaver dogs through any kind of junkyard or scrapyard nearby as well. That might bring some kind of leads, but you need to take a look at affiliation into organized crime in the area, what companies, what properties are owned by them, and also waterways, something of that nature. And I know, like I said, probably already dragged the water. That's totally understandable. I get that, but you need to do it again. Look for a suitcase, some kind of barrel, 55-gallon drum, something of that nature that a full-grown man could fit into, whether dismembered or still intact. There were some comments on local news websites that say Robert disappeared on purpose, and his family knows about it. You know, they have a $10,000 reward out for him. You know, they've been spending money on billboards in the area. The fact that Robert disappeared on purpose, uh, if you listen to his family members in interviews, I do not, do not think this for a second. Given the amount of blood and the tooth and the hair and the, the whole crime scene scenario, uh, evidence of an assault, a struggle, a fight in the restaurant itself, uh, this is a total bullshit theory. I really don't believe it for a second. So then we have to think, one of the theories that I read is that Robert is in the Federal Witness Protection Program. Maybe he came back, interrupted a burglary. I really don't see that being a scenario. Police supposedly looked into business surveillance footage of the area, which, as you heard from some of my details earlier, we both know that's kind of bullshit. Or if they did, they really didn't look that closely if the family's tracking down this other surveillance footage. 
Now, the restaurant itself did not have cameras, unfortunately, so there was nothing there that we could see, but to think that he walked in on a burglary and possibly turned people in after he got his ass beat, got his car stolen, came back, fingerprints, blood all over in the car, uh, passenger side door handle, makes absolutely zero sense. I mean, it might be plausible to some people, definitely not plausible to me. I did read somewhere that the family might think the crime was committed by someone familiar with Robert's routine. If that is the case, why? And who? Did Robert owe anybody money? Like a substantial amount of money. Did Bobby owe somebody money? That's another thing we have to look at. Now, there is a rumor, and I cannot confirm this as fact, that the doors to the restaurant were locked. So who would lock the doors on the way out after committing this crime? Could it have been a former employee? Could it have been a business partner? Somebody who knows Robert's routine? When police did search Robert's vehicle, they found paperwork associated with a civil lawsuit in which Robert received uh, about $15,000 for the month that he went missing. Is there any relation to that? It's a good possibility, but then again, you have to think, who knew that he was getting that money? Who knew, you know, his routine, that he was going to have that money? You got to take that into consideration as well. And to be honest with you, that does kind of make sense. So if the family did, in fact, say that they suspect somebody who knew his routine, somebody who was familiar with him, then I, I am inclined to agree with them on that. And like I had previously mentioned before, I am not accusing anybody of anything, but rumor on the street is that Bobby had some problems with drugs. Could this be related? Absolutely. Unfortunately, it could be related. And I'm not saying it is, but there are a lot of people around that area. And yes, I do have listeners in that area. And when they found out I was covering this episode, they started feeding me all kinds of information, rumors, stuff like that. But I also have to separate rumor from fact, all right? Rumors are that uh, people are pretty suspicious of the son, Bobby, in this situation. I, you know, I can't say either way. So there you have it. There's all the information, the theories, um, some ideas I kind of tossed around in my head. Obviously, like I said, I always try to separate fact from rumor, from theories, stuff like that. And again, it's a shorter episode, but this is absolutely solvable. We are four years into it. There is no reason that this case should be unsolved. There are at least two people who know exactly what happened because I can tell you right now, unless there was some kind of weapon involved, I'm pretty pretty confident that Robert would have fought. I mean fought, which could explain a lot of blood, the tooth, the piece of hair, everything in that scenario right there. I get that, but in order to get a man like Robert out there, possibly into a car, whether he was still alive or dead uh, when he left the restaurant and the possible scenario of those restaurant doors being locked when the police got there. 
that's something we need to think about. There's at least two people involved, if not three. Like I said, check out organized crime in the area, properties they own, businesses they own, scrapyards, junkyards, waterway uh, with the ground frozen, January, whether it, it had previously rained or snowed. You got to look into that shit too, but definitely check the waterways again. Don't check for a body. Check for something that a body could fit in, whether it was dismembered or full. Also run some cadaver dogs. That's pretty much all I got for you. So I will say this to the family and friends of Robert Barron, do not give up. This case is absolutely solvable. We're still in a good time frame. There is enough evidence here, all right? Whether the police are telling you or not, that is definitely how it's going. And to everybody else, anyone with information on Robert's whereabouts, you need to call a tip line at one 800 4 pa tips that's 1-800-4-P-A-T-I-P-S. Or you can submit tips through the Finding Robert Barron Facebook page. And like I said to the Facebook page, family, friends, whatever the case is, you know, if you want to send me some hate mail, that's fine. If there's anything else I can do to help to try to get the word out, I will absolutely do it. Um, just let me know. Get a hold of me. Justin.mcpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to my Instagram at mysterious underscore podcast. You can hit me on Twitter at podcastmc. Um, I highly suggest rocking more social media than just Facebook for this disappearance, though, because you're, uh, you have a broader audience the more social media you have. So I will give that suggestion as well. But like I said, don't give up. Keep going. Keep fighting. Keep moving forward. This case is very solvable, and my thoughts do go out to you. And again, this episode was brought to you by Stereo App. I answer questions on there. I go deeper with details on certain things that I've covered on the podcast. Question I have for you guys is what do you guys think of the Delphi murders and why they haven't been solved? That is a fucking great question because I live about an hour and a half away from Delphi and I actually went to the location about two weeks after it happened. My opinion is that See, that's how easy it is. It's pretty awesome. I really suggest you download it. And like I said, you can join me live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Get in on the conversation with me. Love to hear from you. Go to Stereo.com slash MC Podcast. Just download the Stereo app and find me at MC Podcast.